I want to tell you why we started this church. The summary of it is in Psalm 105, which is a passage that God used in one of those moments to call our family to something new. Here it is. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. These are the things. Take each line. These are the things we want to be true when we're gathering together as a, as a, as a church. To seek God's face. What does that mean, right? We, we've said this before, but think about the face of God like a face of, of a person that you know turned towards you. What does that mean? It means his eyes are on us. God sees us through and through. God hears us. He hears our songs. He hears our prayers. He hears our complaints. He hears our confession. He speaks to us. It says that our worship is fragrant to him, that God delights in you. What would change about our preparation for coming to this gathering if we believe the face of God was turned toward us? His eyes are on us. His ears turned towards us. Speaking voice available. He delights in us. A God is present with us that we do not control. St. Patrick called the Holy Spirit the wild goose. He evangelized all of Ireland and we celebrate him this week by people just getting smashed. We believe that each week as we gather that God is moving and, and, and might be moving in mighty ways in someone's life. Let us not be a distraction to that. Let us come with our own expectations that we don't control him, certainly. But let us prepare our hearts. As Israel came to worship God in the temple, they had an entire series of poems and songs they would sing to one another called the Psalms of Ascent to get their hearts ready. And when they arrived at the temple, the architects of the temple purposely built the steps of the temple un uneven so that you couldn't just rush up. You had to prepare your heart, examine. Let me say two things. God is here. Later in 1 Corinthians, when it says God is here, it says that people's hearts, the secrets of their hearts are exposed, and they say, surely God is among them. And what you worship shapes you. I've said that so many times, we've heard that so many times, but what you give your highest allegiance and deepest affection to shapes your whole life. I want us to sing to God, sing praises to Him. I invite you to stand. I want to read something over you. And then we're going to worship. The nature of things in our corner of the world today puts us in an interesting place. The agendas of so many products and ideas are advanced by telling us that we are at the center of the world. It is all about us. We deserve the best. There are strains in our own heart that agree with these notions. We want things to be all about us. We certainly at least have moments where we want to be at the center. But perhaps our obsession with self is not the best way. 
the through line of God's story is that he has made us for himself. He has designed us to thrive most when he is at the center. But more than just being a pragmatic path to a good life, God's word tells us that he is worthy of praise. He deserves the center. We all have tendencies to put something else often ourselves where God alone should be. Worship is a chance to reorient our heart towards God. Worship is a way for us to gaze on God and to respond to Him in love. It is a chance to release those things that have been regular rivals to God in our souls. It is a chance to humble ourselves and move toward the great and blessed freedom of self-forgetfulness. Church, God is worthy of praise. Let us seek His face. Let us acknowledge that He is near. Let us stop negotiating and simply surrender. Let us sing songs and celebrate His greatness. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker, for He is our God. Let's sing out His praise, church. Almost in representation of the weight of importance, uh, the first section will certainly have been the longest, but um, two more things for us to consider. Paul is addressing the the challenge at the uh, Church of Corinth and uh, a challenge that I think faces us as well, not just preparation uh, because we are here for God, but also discerning the body, discerning the body of Christ, recognizing what we have in one another uh, is a challenge that faces us when, when we come together as a church. Um, Paul's confronting this issue, and I, and I think we should hear his words because uh, the, the folks in the church at Corinth were disregarding one another uh, in particular ways. Uh, lessening their experience of the richness of their relational lives because they were thinking primarily about themselves. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 11. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. A little further down, he says, For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, the presence of God is available (laughs) to us. And and sometimes that presence encounters us individually. And like this stories that I told, there are times where it it feels like it's just you and God. And then there are other times where that presence does not feel very near at all. And we mediate the truth and love and presence of God to one another as people. Sometimes the most profound experience of the grace of God that you'll have in a church gathering is ministered to you by someone else. Certainly very often not a church staff member or the pastor. We are the priesthood of all believers. Mediating the presence of God through our presence, through our words, through our listening ears. And Paul is saying, hey, this isn't Jesus that you're showing to one another. This is something else. This is, this is just regular old selfishness. This is just uh, self-absorption or regular apathy or, or, or distraction. You're losing your distinctiveness. You're forgetting who you are. The very first church service we ever had. 2009, Trinity Grace Park Slope, we looked at Moses' prayer in Exodus 33. 
And we've probably mentioned it a million times since then. But basically, God had taken the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And they're on the cusp of going into the promised land. And God's saying, listen, I'll give you victory. I'll send my angels with you. I'll make sure that you get there fine. And Moses says, no way. No way. We don't want just our agenda accomplished. We don't just want success and victory. We want you. We want your presence. And if we don't have that, we lose our distinctiveness. We have nothing. The Lord, repri- the, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. That's the same sentiment of if we're not meeting with God and ministering the presence of God to one another, we might as well just be doing our own thing in Prospect Park. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And now Moses said, show me your glory. That very same presence is available to us each week when we gather together. When we meet as the body of Christ, gather together, where two or more are gathered in his name, he is present, he is there. We are here for that presence for God and we are here for each other, to be tangible reminders of the love of God to each other. I just want to pause there for one second. Do you, ha- do you have that sense of high calling on your life when you come to this church? That you might be a representation of the person of Jesus to someone in the most profound way they experience this entire year today. The priesthood of all believers certainly says the emphasis can't just be on the professional Christians dispensing Christian services. It's the body of Christ ministering to one another, being tangible examples of the love of Jesus to each other. I wonder sometimes what it would be like if the whole church prepared as if they're expecting that they'll be used as much as anyone else in a service. Expecting that God might speak through you or give you the gift of listening to someone or have you just simply embrace someone to remind each other of who we truly are. To help each other believe that we can be truly forgiven. To speak words of life and deep encouragement. To listen attentively and patiently. To take the same bread and same cup as an act of mutual dependence and trust. That you might be the one who clearly articulates an invitation to salvation in a way that can be understood. To support each other in the various stages of life. To resist gossip and lovingly confront one another when a wrong is done. To actually be strengthened by our differences as we see other ways of being and expressing God. To show the diversity and unity that's present in the Trinity. To rejoice with those who are rejoicing. To weep with those who weep. To join our faith in prayer. To wait for God together. And to see God come through together. We are here for God and we are here for each other. 
Bill Hybels has said one of my favorite quotes on the, the possibilities of the life of the church. And I've read it before, but I just want us to focus on it for a moment. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. The potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. You are made in the image of God. As a Christian, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the potential to minister the presence of God in this space, in our community, as much as anyone. You are fully qualified as an adopted son or daughter to represent what God is like to others. Are people seeing what God is like through your life? Our world shapes and forms us so profoundly that we have to come together for this counterformation moment. Let me tell you something, not all hours weigh the same. This time when we come together, it is a significant thing. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We come in the spirit of God to push back on the current of our culture and say, no, we're going to be shaped by grace. To translate that grace to one another, to, to remember that we are one, to draw strength for each other. And I want us to do that this morning. I want us to actually pray together this morning. And introverts are starting to panic. And that's okay. It's okay. The awkwardness is worth it this time. Okay? One of the best ways I know for you to hear someone's heart verbalize is to pray with them. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, even if you don't know them, to break into groups of like three or four to five, six, and pray with the people right around you. I know some of you are panicking right now, and that's okay. If you have to go to the restroom right now, that's okay. But we want to take a risk and help one another discern the body. I want you to know the jewels of grace that are hidden in the lives of those around you. The depth of insight. Those people whose lives have been so transformed by the presence of God. And if you just knew their story and how much it relates to yours... I want us to start building bridges of intimacy. And one of the most beautiful ways of doing that is to join our faith and join our hearts together in prayer. So we're going to read a call and response. And then I just want to invite you to courageously turn to those around you and not spend very much time introducing yourself. Just say, all right, let's try this and just start praying. Praying for our church. Praying for our city. And let's just lift up a symphony of praise to God. We're praying out our hearts to Him, declaring our dependence. I'll use uh, this responsive reading as a way to, uh, to launch us all. So as soon as this is over and we say amen, break into these groups, okay? And I'll come back in a few moments. I'll read the red and then we'll all read the other together. Jesus Christ, you refuse to turn stones into bread. 
Save us from using our power, however little, to satisfy the demands of selfishness in the face of the greater needs of others. Jesus Christ, you refuse to leap from the temple top. Save us from displaying our skills, however modest, to win instant popularity in the face of nobler calls on our abilities. Jesus Christ, you refuse to bend the knee to a false god. Save us from offering our devotion, however weak, to cheap or easy religion in the face of the harder path on which you bid us to follow you. Jesus Christ, give us wisdom to discern evil and in the faith that is deceptively attractive, help us to choose the will of God. Amen. Turn to one another in these smaller groups and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I trust that you hear the prayers of your people as we, as we lift them up to you. I pray you would continue to lead us by your spirit. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray with faith. Teach us to hear your voice, Lord, as you come to correct, as you come to invite, as you come to encourage. I just heard in my group, Lord, people praying, God, that we would not settle for something less than you, Lord, that we would not imagine that this is all there is. We remember that you are Abba, Father, and that you've invited us to yourself forever. I just praise you for even what was prayed in the group I was in, Lord, that you have made us with the capacity to meet with you by your spirit. I pray for each person who feels like that's a a bit of a myth, that feels like that they've never really encountered your presence in a way they hear other people describe. I just pray over that doubt and fear that can creep up in us, Lord. And I pray you just speak ever so peacefully, ever so maybe even subtly, but in a very real way to those hearts who are doubting that your presence is, is actually something they could access or experience. I pray, God, you call them to trust. That means releasing control, God, and we are so good at keeping control instead of releasing it. Give us grace. Strengthen us to be the body of Christ, the city of God in Brooklyn in our time. Pour out your salvation. Let us walk as your disciples. Not unto us, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that felt like a risk to you, I just want to thank you for taking it. And um, if that felt totally normal to you, then I want to ask that you would just help us as a church press into that. Press into the sort of barrier-shattering intimacy that can come when people take a risk of being vulnerable. Our last section is, um, is communion, which is a meeting of God and His people where we discern God's presence in a meal. This mysterious wild goose holy spirit god of the universe creator of everything who made us in his image and who is not in control or or is we are not in control of and yet he says i want this you have this simple reminder of me this meal that you gather in together that you share week after week majestic transcendent god ordinary bread and cup
grace transmitted through. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Paul is imploring. I am imploring. Let's not forget what this meal is about. It is a new Passover. It is intentionally weaving the threads of redemptive history together to say, yes, like a seed God began in one small place and has been growing this movement, calling Abraham, making him a family, making him a nation. And though that nation grew up in slavery, like every human being is born into a sense of slavery apart from God, yet God called them through against all odds through the sea, through the waters of baptism into freedom. And though there was wandering, there was a promise. We are going somewhere. And if you remember the key moment in that freeing salvation story of Israel was when death came calling, they were spared because of the blood of the sacrifice. Jesus gathers together with his disciples to keep the Passover feast and he institutes a new covenant in his blood that the final Passover lamb would be offered and in his death every one of us would be offered life the things Jesus said on the cross become true for us Father forgive them it is finished everything that they have done has been put on Jesus and it is finished you are forgiven you were offered mercy you were offered life at this meal we are remembering and enacting a picture of this gracious substitution. The shocking reality of the kingdom of God that God wins a victory by laying down under the tank and being crushed. God wins a victory by allowing himself to be nailed to a cross, to die a death in our place, and then to raise, to offer us new life. We're remembering that we are united to this Jesus. In this meal, As he was broken and poured out for us, we are broken and poured out for one another, for our neighbors, for our world. This is an act of communion with God and with each other. It is a time to search our hearts. It is a time to confess and repent. It is a time for great confidence. It is a time to offer our doubts and our joy to God. It is a time to eat and to drink. To remember we are dependent creatures, and that is good. It is a time to walk together to the table. So I want to invite you to discern the body, to prepare your own hearts, and we're going to move towards communion. There are stations in the front, stations in the back. 
stations on the side. As you come, I want you to remember as a church family we're receiving the bread of life, the cup of salvation, the declaration of the gospel of Jesus. So I'm going to read this confession and I invite you to read it all together with me. Church, let's pray. Lord, we have denied you by refusing to know you. We have betrayed you by keeping our distance. We have mocked you by pretending we are not yours. Lord, we are lost. Let your forgiveness find us. Almighty God, our Redeemer, in our weakness, we have failed to be your messengers of forgiveness and hope. Renew us by your Holy Spirit that we may follow your commands and proclaim your reign of love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Church, I want to give you a moment and space right where you are to confess whatever is on your heart to God, any way that you felt him inviting you towards correction, towards a place of confession. Just spend a few moments in quiet confession right where you are. there is such beauty in the promise that if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness no matter what guilt and shame may be saying to you the promise of the word of God is from everlasting to everlasting it comes before your shame before your pride before your fear and it will be here well after your pride and fear Come out from your shame, church, and know, hidden in Jesus, that you are free indeed. Share in this meal. I give you this assurance. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See? Everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Receive the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. Church, I invite you to take steps of joy towards the table this morning. To celebrate our freedom. That in the presence of God, we are His forever and we are one another's. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And come into His presence with singing. And love your neighbor as yourself knowing that they are made in the image of the same God and reflect to one another the presence of this God. Let's take communion together with joy in our hearts.
with faith in our minds as one church united in Jesus. Church, when you're ready, come forward, but go to the stations and receive communion in the name of Jesus.